Good morning, good morning. If you would, would you take out your worship bulletin? I just want to go over a couple quick announcements. Before we do that, though, let me just say welcome. I see a couple of new faces. We're glad you've joined us, chosen to join us today. We have a saying that you're only a visitor here once, and then you're like family for us. Um, but in your bulletins, you will notice a ballot is in there. We're going to talk about that here in a second, but before we get there, I want to talk about some of these other things in here, and where is Adria? She's probably still out there talking. All right. Oh, there we go. Here I am. Adria has an opportunity. She is doing her talents thing, and she is going to tell you about that. Good morning. This is exciting. There's so many people here today. Um, I didn't promote this very well, and I apologize. I'm uh, having a crochet class this next Saturday, the uh, 22nd at 10 a.m. Uh, originally, I was going to have two classes, but I don't really have enough for one class right now. It's $20, but this $20 includes um, a hook, a skein of yarn, and um, teaching you, hopefully, to, to crochet. And the money goes towards uh, the Benevolence Fund for the church. And if any of you are familiar with the Benevolence Fund, it's to help people in need as they need it. So if you need it, if you're interested, please see me. I can give you a flyer that I need to know right away. (laughs) Thank you. All right. Thank you. So uh, as a church, if if you're new here, we we did a, um, a sermon on the parable of the talents. And what we did was we gave everybody an envelope that either had $10 in it, $20, or $50 in it, and we asked them to be good stewards of it and to try and double it, triple it, grow it as much. And we said anything that comes back in from that growth, we're going to put it totally towards ministry. So as a church, we gave out almost $2,000, gave it out. Uh, We said if you need it, take it, keep it. If you can make it grow, though, like a talent, bring it back. We'll put it 100% towards the ministry. So that's what she's doing, and that's what we're doing. I've seen somebody in here, a group, get together and raise, turn their talents into over $1,000. All right, I've seen, yeah, praise God, right? I've seen some other big numbers, too, and I'm just excited that we're going to be able to bless some charities. We've, we've already blessed Abigail Pregnancy Center. That's a big ministry that we love to do. Alice just dropped off some stuff from Miriam House, which is in Norwalk. Miriam House um, houses mothers with children, gives them a break. Sometimes these, these moms don't have anywhere to go with their kids, so they take them in. They let them stay there for a year or two years. They help them find jobs, help them budget, help them do a lot of things to prepare them to go out. So we love that ministry. Any ministry that praises God, puts Jesus Christ first, and helps people. That's what we want to be part of. So Benevolence Fund. We're trying to buy a church van so that we can go pick up kids like we used to on Wednesday nights. We just had somebody donate to us a church van that holds eight people. So uh, we praise God for that, right? So we're going to use that for ministry. We're going we're gonna to get another van that holds a little bit more, and that way we can put some people up, and hopefully maybe with a wheelchair ramp, so we can help uh, anybody that's disabled or anything like that. So we're just, we're just trying to keep in step with the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit is, is leading us on. I want to say a special thank you. Uh, last night we had kids come out. And uh, we have a kids-free night. We need to think of a new name for that. But we want to give parents a break. 
uh, people who are raising kids just a break so that they can go out on a date night with their spouse, or if they don't have a spouse, just so they can take a nap or, or go shopping by themselves or something like that. Uh, and, and we love it too because we get to, we get to throw dodgeballs at the kids and, and entertain them. Uh, we had one misstep. I accidentally hit a littler kid with a dodgeball. <laughs> Kalia, sorry about that. All right. But I think she still had, still had fun, maybe a little too hard. But um, we want to be here for you because we know what it's like to, to raise kids, especially with COVID and everything that's going on. You know, the kids are all cooped up and couldn't do a lot of things. Um, we want to just provide that outlet for kids. And, and uh, I think if you, if you see this church, you'll know that we love our kids. We see them as the next generation. We see it as a responsibility to train them up in the Lord and to come alongside you as parents and help you do that because we know how difficult that is. So uh, that's what we're kind of doing, some things that we're doing in here. But let me, let me mention a couple other things in here. Um, this Saturday, all right, May 22nd, this Saturday, this is the first announcement for this is kind of last minute. This Saturday, May 22nd at 6.30, we're going to have a praise and worship night. Okay, so come on out. We're also going to have snacks and drinks and coffee and everything like that. But we are just going to we are just going to worship our Lord and Savior, right? And some people are going to be singing specials. The praise team will be here. They're going to be singing their songs, and then we're going to invite people to sing specials. Daniel's going to be singing a special. You want to raise your hand, Daniel? Yeah. Uh, and we're hoping some other people sing some specials as well. But we just want to we just want to worship our Lord and Savior and turn our attention even more on Him. So if you can make it out Saturday. The 22nd coming out, we're going to take a love offering and put it towards one of those talents, ministries that we're trying to raise money for, all right? That's the last I'm going to mention money. We usually don't mention money a whole lot there, but um, so I wanted to thank, I forgot where I was going with that first train of thought. I wanted to thank the people that helped out with the kids night, everybody that came out and helped out. I also want to thank all the people that came out and helped out with the work day yesterday. It has been a long weekend. Um, I'm a little pooped. I got some coffee in me, but... Uh, we had quite a few people come out, and so I just want to say a special thank you from me to you for helping to clean up this church and to, to get it ready. So thank you very much, all right? All right. Uh, would you stand with me? Let's pray. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to do that right after I pray. Yep. Thank you. <clears throat> Father, we just thank you for today. Lord, we just want to give you honor and praise, for you alone are worthy of that. Lord, would you help us to turn our attention towards you? Lord, I know that there are people in here dealing with people on deathbeds, people facing cancer. Lord, things that uh, uh, cause us sometimes to question why. Lord, I pray that instead of asking why, that they turn their attention towards you and to lay these things down at your feet and entrust them to you. Father, I pray that as we start singing and as we start worshiping, I pray that you would enable us to do that. Lord, I pray that you'd be with our sound team, help everything to run smoothly. Father, I forgot to welcome the people watching online. Lord, I pray that I pray that even though they're distant, that they would still feel a part of this church. They would still understand how much we love them and we care about them and we can't wait to see and worship collectively with them again. Lord, be in our service. You have complete right away. Do as you will. Father, we just ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, I pray for our coming election. 
coming up next week, Father, we're going we're gonna to showcase the ballot that we have, and we're going to ask people to pray over that and to vote, and I pray that you would bring in the right people, put the right people in leadership to lead our church towards you. Father, help us to keep in step with you. Help us to surrender everything to you, Lord. We just ask this in your name we pray. Amen. All right, have a seat real quick. So I'm officially opening up our annual meeting. Uh, I don't think I need a motion. I looked it up. I don't think I need a motion for that. All right, so our, our official annual meeting is open. We're actually going to be voting next week. But at this meeting, we have to vote on the ballot and approve the ballot. All right, so you should have a ballot before you. And I'm just going to read it real quick. We are going to be voting for our church board up to three people. So you'll pick three people on that name. Now, the only people who can vote are people that are members and 15 years or older. So if you went through a membership class and you became a member and you're 15 years or older, you can vote for these people. All right, so first person is Doug Lillo. Second person is Lee Moyer. Third, Emma Nadolis. Uh, fourth, Debbie Smith. And fifth, Nathan Martin. So those are the people that we want you to pray about and consider for church board. SDMI is going to be a yes or no vote. We're going to be uh, confirming or not confirming Brenda Daniel. SDMI is all about discipleship, Sunday school, and that type of ministry. The, the, really the formation of people. Uh, NMI, that's going to be a yes or no vote for Alice Whittington. NMI is missions. That's, you know, as a church of the Nazarene, that's one of our three tenets. We are a, a mission-focused church. We have 30,000 churches all over the world. And we want to go and bring the gospel to the corners of the, the world. That's our, that's our goal, right? Uh, then next is NYI. That's our youth ministry. That's our teens. And that will be a yes or no vote for Jody Tackett. So those are the people you want to pray about, too. SDMI, that's, once again, that's Sunday School Discipleship. You're going to be voting for three people on this list as well. And that list is Andy Nadolis, Deb Smith, Troy Slaughterbeck, Andrea Slaughterbeck, Katie Hall, Carol Barnett, Sharon Siebold, and Daniel Ingram. And then you get to vote for three people, and luckily we have three people for these next lists. All right, this is delegates to the district assembly. Every year we as a, as a Nazarene church kind of gather together for our district assembly. And those people are Adaby Pomerich, Cliff Smith, Deb Smith. And then our missions delegate, that's a, a missions-focused service. Uh, we're going to uh, look at sending Doug Lillo, Nancy Lillo, and Katie Hall. So this is the ballot, all right? Now what's going to happen is I'm going to ask somebody to make a motion to approve the ballot. Somebody's going to do that, hopefully, and then we'll second it. Then you have an opportunity to speak to this. I'm going to ask for any comments or questions. You can make suggestions. All right, here's the thing, though. Church board. Church board is a special position, special position. We have certain guidelines for our church board. Uh, those guidelines are the person has to be sanctified. The person has to be, in other words, surrendered to Christ. There are people who would make great church board members, but we want people who are great church board members who are completely surrendered out to Jesus Christ, all right? And then they have to be people who tithe, support the church. They're actively working in the church. They're actively praying for the church. These are the, the, the pillars of the church. These are like our elders. These are um, the people that we kind of look to to guide the church and to really pray and, and see where, where God is leading us. So keep that in mind for church board, all right? The rest are a little bit, don't have those rules exactly, uh, 
but there it is. All right, so can I get a motion from somebody who is a member to accept the church ballot as I've read it? All right, who is that? Jim Detweiler, thank you. Second? I think Brian beat you by a hair, all right? All right. All right. Um, now, any discussion, anything that you'd like to see changed, added, or anything like that? Conscience clear? We're good with this? All right. Um, all those in favor of accepting the church board, the church ballot as it is written right here, please say aye. aye. Any opposed? Same sign? All right. Eyes have it. All right. And that's where we're going to leave it. All right. So that is at the end of our church board. Remember, come, come a little bit early next week to vote if you're a member, and we'll get that taken up. All right. Are you guys ready to praise and worship? Would you stand with me?
You gave your life for mine Nailed to the cross You crucified All my sin and shame It was washed by your mercy You are the treasure I find My reason for living So let my life Become an offering to the one who is worthy. All praise to the Lord Most High. All praise to the one who saved my life. All praise to Jesus Christ, High King of Heaven. My King forever You stormed the gates of my heart The veil in between was torn apart Now you hold the keys to the grave Cause you bring things to life stones away all praise to the Lord most high all praise to the one who saved my life all praise to Jesus Christ high king of heaven my king forever all praise to the Lord most high all praise to the one who saved my life all praise to Jesus Christ High King of Heaven my King forever So lift my hands up lay my whole life down my whole life now before you I lift my hands up, lay my whole life down. My whole life now is for you. I lift my hands up, lay my whole life down. My whole life now is for you. I lift my hands up, lay my whole life down. My whole life now is for you. I lift my
are here, moving in our midst. I worship you. I worship you. You are here, working in this place. I worship you. I worship you.
worship you. I worship you. Today, uh, primarily, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians 4, 2 Corinthians 4. Normally, I'm kind of an expository preacher, but today I want to kind of go through some different passages and, and talk about something. Uh, the title of this message is Eyes of a Lion, Eyes of a Lion. I, I want to talk about how it is that sometimes we can see things, but not see what we are seeing. Does that make sense? We can see things but not see what we are seeing. In other words, we can, we can miss things. Uh, an example would be if you look at a FedEx truck. Right? I'm sure a ton of us have seen FedEx trucks right? a thousand times probably. Um, have you ever noticed the arrow? Have you ever, are you like me and not notice the arrow? Have you not noticed the arrow in the FedEx? Would, like, we like to participate. Would you just raise your hands and let me know that I'm not alone? Yeah, I never noticed the arrow. It's between the E and the X. All right, so I've looked at that. Now, I tell you what, after I told you that, the next time you look at a FedEx truck, you'll be like, oh, do you see the arrow? Yeah, all right. Seen that a hundred times, thousand times, and never noticed it until, until recently. Um, next one, Baskin-Robbins. Baskin-Robbins, they snuck in a 31. Did you notice that? Anybody not notice that? Yeah, 31. What's the 31 represent? 31 flavors. Good job. All right, next one. I have never noticed the two people eating chips and salsa. Am I the only one on that one? How many times have I bought and eaten Tostitos, and I've never noticed the salsa? The people eating the bowl. All right, thank you, Daniel. I'm not alone, right? All right, next one. This is one that you've seen a lot of times, and this isn't really something hidden, but something that I realized about this logo is I always thought the arrow was a smiley face, like a, a, a smiley face kind of grinning and everything, but this actually represents that they sell everything from A to Z, in which they do, right? A to C. Um, next one. This really isn't something to notice. I, how many people like Apple? You are Apple people. Come on, raise your hands. Raise your hands up high because I'm coming after you right now. All right, so Apple has an apple, right, with a, with a bite out of it, right? You Apple snobs. Just kidding. All right. It represents, does anybody know? It represents the forbidden fruit eaten in the garden, right, from the, the, tree of, the tree of knowledge, right? So Apple thought they were like, cool, cute, hey, we're going to, you know, talk about this apple that represents the tree of knowledge. Really, if you're an apple person, you are basically, you know, celebrating sin entering the world, <laughs> right? 
And if you're an apple snob, all right, where I know some people are, um, you got the wrong fruit, right? They picked, it wasn't an apple in the, in the garden, or we don't know it was an apple, so I, th- I think that's even funny. So, uh, moral of the story is, next slide. Oh, yeah, oh, that kind of switched it right there, but <laughs> apple's the devil. That really doesn't go along with this, but I just wanted to throw that in there because I don't like apple. All right. These are things, though, that are hiding in plain sight. Uh, that happens in life, doesn't it? That happens in life. We can look at things and miss so much. Who, who here was alive in 1990? Majority, all right. We got rid of all the ones that weren't alive in 1990, right? Uh, next slide. All right. Uh, on April 24th, 1990, that's when the Hubble telescope was launched into outer space, 366 miles above the Earth. This is the Hubble. It's 43 and a half feet long, and it weighs 24,500 pounds. It has six cameras in it that uh, can see visible light, infrared light, and ultraviolet light. It's basically an observatory in outer space. There, there are quite a few telescopes that are built on the ground, right, that look up into the stars. But this is the whole point of this was to get one of those actually into outer space. A dream 20 years in the making. It was important. Why? Why is it important? Because no matter how powerful a telescope is, no matter how clear a telescope is that's on this planet, it will always be limited by what it can see when it has to look through our atmosphere. Right? Scientists compare it what, what a, a telescope looks through our atmosphere to us looking through stained glass. It distorts our view, right? We can, when we look through stained glass, we see a pigment. We see a, a, a different color. We see dust on the glass. We see distortions in the glass. And in, in other words, we see a distorted version of reality. There are pollution. There is pollution, debris, and shifting pockets of air in our atmosphere. Have you ever noticed when you look at a star that sometimes it twinkles? Or have you heard the song, Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star? Stars really don't twinkle. They don't, right? Uh, The song's a lie. It's just because there are those... It is. It's it's just because there are those shifting pockets of air that we're looking through our atmosphere at those stars. Now, rural America, we have a clearer view. All right, and so the stars don't twinkle as much. I grew up in Chicago, the stars twinkle. Right? There's, there's a lot of pollution, a lot of stuff in those towns, and it causes those stars to really uh, twinkle. And there's probably a metaphor somewhere in there that I'm not going to talk about. But um, here's the thing. We, we often see things through lenses. Um, and, and that's why the, the Hubble telescope is so important. We, also, we often see things through things that distorts our view. And that's why the Hubble telescope is so important, though, because it's in, it's in outer space, right? Now, the Hubble telescope, they figure out a way to send pictures electronically back to us, back to Earth. Everyone was excited, $2.5 billion back then, and we got to see these pictures. They were really hyped about the pictures. And this was going to be able to take some stellar photographs. That, that was the hype. All right, so it takes two pictures and starts sending them back to Earth. 
NASA is eagerly awaiting these pictures, but all they had at that time was uh, like an AOL dial-up connection between there. So the pictures are coming. It's taking forever to download, you know. Um, they go to lunch. They come back from lunch. It's still downloading on that dial-up connection. Uh, somebody grabs the phone, actually accidentally cuts the connection, and they had to restart it all. That's just a joke if you guys understand, if you've ever experienced dial-up connections. But seriously, uh, when they finally get the first picture, there it is, the first picture, all right? So you have the ground-based picture from an observatory on ground looking through our atmosphere, and there's the Hubble picture, all right? So it's clear, right, but not that much better. Definitely not what they're expecting. The second one comes back, the second picture that they took, and it's blurry too. All right, so they start scrambling to try and figure out what's going on. Why is this happening? Why are these pictures not the greatest? And, and here they found out it was one incorrectly calibrated component. The main mirror had an aberration one-fiftieth the size of a human hair the 150th the thickness of a human hair that basically made the telescope nearsighted. What were they going to do? It would be far too expensive to bring it back. You're not going to bring the Hubble telescope back to this earth, right? They didn't make it so that they could take this component out if they went out there. So what were they going to do? Well, what do you do when you're nearsighted? Yeah, glasses. You put a lens on, right? So that's what they came up with. They put another lens on the front of it that was 150th the size of a human hair with an aberration like that in the exact opposite direction to correct the view. And that's what they did. They got that lens on, took another picture, and um, I don't know if you've ever seen the pictures from the Hubble telescope, but I'm going to show you some. They are uh, outstanding, right? There's one. Amazing, right? Lydia's going to flip through a couple and go through these. Um, we've managed to see the far stretches, the far reaches of our, our universe all because, right, all because we were able to put a lens on to correct our view. Now, listen, that's a pulsating quasar or something like that. I'm not even sure what that is, but... Um, when all the pictures were blurry that the Hubble was taking early on and it couldn't see far away, it wasn't the galaxy's fault, right? It wasn't the universe's fault. It's not like the galaxy was, was distorted or anything like that. No, it, it was blurry because it was a lens problem. A lens problem. Stephen Covey, leadership expert, wrote Seven Habits of a Highly Effective People, once said, we don't see the world as it is. We see the world as we are. We see the world as we are accustomed to seeing it. We all have lenses that we see the world through. And those lenses have a distortion in them. That's what we need to realize. That's my favorite picture. I left it for last. Oftentimes, though, we are seeing... Or, or what we think we are seeing is not always what we're seeing, right? Because there's distortions in our lens. I wish that we all had eyes like a lion. That's what we want to talk about next. It's kind of a metaphor for looking at life through the lens of faith. 
That's the one I would really focus in on. A lion has spectacular vision. What is dark to us is bright as day to a lion. What we can't see a long ways off is dinner to a lion. They can see that. Why do lions see so well? Well, it's all because they have eyes that process light six times better than we do as humans. Their, their eyes are built specifically by God to handle light. Their pupils are three times bigger than ours. It lets them take in a lot more light than we have come in. They have a higher percentage of rods than cones. All eyes have rods and cones. The rear wall of your eye is covered with these photoreceptors called rods and cones. Cones help you handle color. We, We can see color better, but rods help you see shape, helps you see further out. So lions have more rods than cones, which means that they're, they're better with those shapes and seeing things. They're fantastic at seeing things far away. Lions also have a reflective backing in the rear of their eye, of their retina. It's coated in a surface that shines light back out of their eyes. In fact, if you have a cat, you know this, right? All cats have this thing going on that makes them look possessed or, or something a little bit evil. But that's why their, their eyes glow. If you take a picture of a cat, their eyes will, will glow because of this reflective backing. The light comes in and it goes back out, which actually lets them see or use light twice because of this. All right. If you haven't seen a picture of a lion up close, right, look under his eyes. Do you see the whites right there? They have a white strip under their eyes. All lions have this. You know how athletes smear that black stuff underneath their eyes? They smear it, why? To reduce the glare, right? This is like the exact opposite. God gave lions a white smear under their eyes to actually maximize the light, maximize the glare, especially at night. The faintest moonlight gets redirected because of this white strip into their eyes. What's my point? Lions have access to the most light. Lions have access to more light than any other creature that is on this planet. It's really incredible. They're built to take advantage of the light that is there. You ever go to an optometrist and have your your pupils dilated? fun, right? Especially when you go outside on a a sunny day. They always make sure that you have sunglasses or they give you those really ugly pair of sunglasses to hide everything in. But when you do that, what happens? Your, Your pupils get dilated and you can take in more light. My friends, this is what we need to have happen with our hearts. This is what God needs to do to our hearts. He needs to dilate them. He needs to enlarge them. Right? In the book of Ephesians, in the first chapter, Paul is praying for the Ephesians that God would give them spiritual wisdom, and he prays specifically that their hearts would be flooded with light. That's the NLT, that their hearts would be flooded with light. In the NIV, he says, I pray that, that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. That's what we need to pray for. That's what we need to seek the Holy Spirit for. To have eyes of a lion in your heart is to have God, dilate the pupil of your eyes, of your heart, so that you can grow in knowledge and wisdom, so that you can see things clearly. 
as they are, not how we normally see things. My friends, we want the things of this earth to grow strangely dim, don't we? We want the things of this earth to kind of pass away in the light of his glory and grace, right? I want God to do a work in each one of our hearts so that they're stretched so far that we can see what's really important in life. Not what the world says is important, but what the Bible teaches us is important. Maybe you didn't notice all the logo things. Maybe you did notice all the logo things. I didn't notice them all. all right? But now when you see them, you'll see them differently. Right? When God does a work, when a God does a work in your heart and you encounter pain, or maybe when you feel like God is far away, maybe you'll see that he's actually very near. Maybe you'll have a perceptive change from that work he does in your heart, and you'll see that he's actually close. We know that his word says that he is close to the brokenhearted. Amen? The word, the Bible, the scriptures, they're a lens that you put on by faith, and it changes how you see everything. Are you in it, though? Are you in it besides what you have? brought to you on a Sunday? Are you in it every day? Man, this rang home in April this year when my dad died. Totally did not expect it. Totally caught me off guard. I was was caught up in sadness. I was caught up, you can ask my wife, in a mountain of regret for a lot of things that I wish I would have been able to say to my dad, to tell my dad. And I spent a good day or more in that place of regret in that place of sadness. But then I got into God's word. And I put some lenses on. And it changed my perspective. Brought me through that. It changed the way I processed what was happening at that time. The Bible says in Isaiah 43:2, we walk through the fire and we aren't burned. We pass through the waters of difficulty, we won't drown. My friends, there's an anchor. There's an anchor for your soul that can hold you secure in the midst of the awful things that come in your life. You have to have the right perspective, though. You have to be looking through the right lenses. You have to look through the lens of faith, through the Word of God. I came to tell you that God will be with you when you face difficult times. I did not come to tell you that you will not face difficult times. You will face difficult times. I didn't come to tell you that it's going to be easy. I didn't come to tell you that it's going to be pain-free. Through the right lens, though, you can have hope. You can have peace through the right lens. Through the right lens, weeping can turn to celebration. It's possible. I want to share with you three truths that I hope will help us all get the right perspective to help you view life, to help me view life. The first is this. Don't rely on the naked eye. Don't rely on the naked eye. The naked eye is what you see in your humanness, right? It's what you see naturally. We must put on the lens of faith. That's what Paul describes to us in 2 Corinthians 4, beginning at verse 16. Man, this passage is amazing, and I want you to grab it. 
2 Corinthians, beginning at verse, verse, um, chapter 4, beginning at verse 16. I'm reading out of the NLT. It says this. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. There's some perspective, right? Yet they produce for us a glory. What produces for us a glory? These present troubles, right? That don't last so long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gazes on things we cannot, things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. We fix our gaze. We fix our gaze. We put on the lens of faith that causes us to look at God, the way maker, the miracle worker. Our gaze, my friends, is broken. We don't see clearly in our humanness, in our naturalness. We focus too much on the wrong things. If you're saved, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you know that your perspective on things has changed, or it should have changed when God remade you, when he made you new. It's a process, but things should be looking differently for you. For the things we now see, see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Instead of relying on our naked eye, if we believe, if we will trust God, trust God to dilate our pupils and let more light in, we'll be able to see what we can't see, the eternal things, the important things. Now, God's word is the, is the key to this, right? The key to how we get faith and how we know what to believe. We may be seeing something different with our own eyes that doesn't jive with what the Bible teaches us. That's when we need to start seeing things or realize that we can't see some things like the eternal. That's when we realize the importance of what God does, God's word does in our lives. Faith comes by hearing, right? And hearing by the Word of God. And that's why this is so important, that we hear God's Word and we trust what we hear and we put it on. We put it on like a lens of faith. We have to get to the place where we consciously do this day by day, hour by hour, right? It's like putting on glasses. It's, it's just like that. It's like putting on glasses. When I wake up in the morning, my vision is blurry, I can see, but it's blurry. I'm pretty nearsighted. What's the first thing I do? I put on my glasses so that I can see clearly. Similarly, every day we have that choice with whether or not to be in the Word of God or not. Do I put my lenses on and get a clear view? Or I just go about my day and and forget that, forget about the Word of God? The less you are in the Word of God, the more blurry this life is. The less you are in the Word of God, the more blurry this life is. The more you focus on the wrong things. For some of you, you may have lost a loved one. Day by day, when you wake up, that memory might seem like it's getting further away. 
Do you know what I mean? Like it's getting harder and harder to remember that person. But if they knew Christ and you put on the lens of faith, you aren't getting further and away, further and further away. You're actually getting closer and closer to seeing them and spending eternity with them. Right? It's not somebody died three years ago. It's you're three years closer to spending eternity with them. That's what the lens of faith does. That, that's how it changes your perspective. Another piece of advice, do a double take, right? Sometimes double takes get you in a little trouble. But I'm telling you, do a double take. When you look at something that stresses you out in life, something that causes you a lot of issues, load up a promise from Scripture and do a double take. Load up a promise from God's Word and look back at that thing that is stressing you out, that is causing you issues. When I, when I was looking at my dad's death, man, I dug into John 14. John 14 says, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you. How amazing is that? Jesus Christ is coming to get us, right? So that you will be with me always. You will be with me where I am. Are you kidding me? That's amazing, right? When you look at death, Put on the lens that reminds you that he is the resurrection and the life, right? When you're looking at bankruptcy, when you're looking at devastation, when you're looking at whatever that is, remember he says, I am your shield. I am your exceeding great reward. And then look back at that situation. When somebody comes against you, what did, what did Hannah pray last week that we looked at? She prayed to, O Lord of heaven's armies. That's your father, right? That's your father in heaven. You are a child of God. He sits in heaven and uses the earth as his footstool. Remember that when somebody comes against you. Do a double take with that and look back. Number two, you need to train for the trial that you are not yet in. You need to train for the trial you are not yet in. Does that make sense? Proverbs 10.25 says, When the storms of life come, the wicked are whirled away, whirled away, but the godly have an everlasting foundation. Storms, when they show up, reveal what kind of foundation we have. Jesus said in Matthew 7, Either you're building on sand or stone, Right? Either you're building on sand, you don't have much of a foundation, or you're building on a rock, you're building on stone, and you have a great foundation. You don't know sometimes which one you have until a storm comes. And then it becomes pretty clear. Let me tell you this. Storms are a terrible time to make preparations for a storm. They're a terrible time, right? Sometimes we wait until we get into the storm to try and make preparations for the storm. Sometimes we wait to get into the storm till we start making the storm shelter. It's too late, right? The Bible tells us that when your life is built on a rock, that storms come and reveal what kind of foundation you have. And the storms pass by, but you're good. 
because you have that solid foundation that your life is built on. My friends, that foundation does not just happen. It doesn't. It doesn't happen without work. You can't get that foundation from your parents. I spent a lot of my life living through the faith of my parents and realized that it was not my own faith. It caused me to doubt a lot of things, which was great, though, because it caused me, that doubt caused me to really dig in and search for the truth. And that's when my faith became real. That's when I started building my foundation on God's word. Here's a way to look at your life. Right now, you are training for a trial that you are not yet in. This is your prep time. This is your two-a-days, football people. This is the time that you need to get ready for that storm that's coming in six months, one month, one year, whatever that is. Now's the time to get ready for that. You don't know what's coming. Look at, look at, look at how crazy this world is right now. Amen? Now's the time to train for whatever day is coming. There is a creed for smoke jumpers. I don't know if you know what a smoke jumper is. These are the firefighters that jump out of planes and into the fires. And they say this, do today what others won't so you can do tomorrow what others can't. We need to take that on. Train now. Spend time in God's presence. Keep in step with the Holy Spirit now because the trials, if you're not in them now, the trials are coming. Get alone with him. Trust him. Get his word into you so that when you do face that trial, that word comes out. You are reminded of that word. You can go to that word and cling to that word. You're training right now for a trial that you're not yet in. My friends, make church a priority. This is a training ground, right? Make church a priority. Don't just come to church when you feel like it. Don't just come to church when it's convenient. Realize the importance of it. Realize what's happening. Man, that's, I don't want to preach on the surface. I want to dig in, right? I'm, I'm tired of that surface-level preaching. I want to dig in. I want God to prepare us, prep us for the trials, for the day that's coming. I want God to prepare us what, for what he's calling us to do that, so that we can go out. I'm tired of church being the way it used to be. We've got to start doing something different. We've got to be different. We've got we to gotta grow. We've got to prep Huge thing, have the right people in your life that will train with you. That's what church is for, right? You need battle buddies. You need people to hold your hand, lock arm in arm, lift you up. You need people to yell at you, get in your face, right? Get on you, kick your butt a little bit. You need that. Encourage you, that too, right? Hold you accountable. You need somebody to train with you. Here's something else. You need a robust theology. You need a robust theology. Sometimes Christians have this kind of children's Sunday school theology, and it just stops there, right? God is good. God is good all the time, right? That's it. That's, that's your theology. It's good, right? But if it just stops there, you know, God is for me. God wants to bless me. If that's your theology, and that's the extent of it, when life comes and chews you up and spits you out, that will reveal a foundation that's about this big, right? If that's the extent 
of your foundation. You need to have a robust theology. If your theology, though, is bigger and your understanding is that in the midst of your suffering that God wants to do, wants to work all things together for your good, right, that changes something. That prepares you for something, for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes, right? That changes how you see things. That changes. That explains it. Yeah, trouble is coming, but I know that God is working through this. He's doing something beyond the scenes, something for me. Something for his glory. God's got a plan. Jesus told us, in this life, you will have trouble. Right? There will be tribulation. But then he says, be of good cheer. Or take heart. Why? Because he's overcome the world. When you understand that, you're better prepared for the storm, you have to have a robust theology. Man, that, that will not come just by coming on Sundays. You need to take ownership of that. You need to dig into the Word of God every day. Expand that foundation, make that foundation bigger. Dig in, put some time in, grow your understanding. Last point. Last point. All right, this is where it gets really tough. All right. Let God use your pain. This is mature Christianity. Here's where you find the power of God. Let God use your pain. Whenever you experience and encounter difficulty, I dare you. I dare you to believe that it's actually an honor. That might say sound a little crazy to you. But it's an honor to be trusted with a trial. That might be a whole new way of looking at things for you. Charles Spurgeon once said, God gives his most difficult assignments to his most trusted soldiers. Long before that, the Apostle Paul said that, the, that grace is not only to believe, but to suffer for his name. And he counted that as an honor. Again, mature level Christianity. Maybe you're not there yet, right? When trials come, the temptation is to ask why. The answer to the why is clear. The answer to the why is because we didn't listen in the Garden of Eden, all right? Everything was broken. Then sin came into this world, and this world is just a broken mess. That's why. When something is happening that's God-awful, that's why. The why is because there is an enemy that prowls around like a lion seeking to devour you. That's the why. Try not. I know that's the first thing that you wonder when things come against you is the why. But try to move from the why to what is God doing through this. What doors can be opened through this. Did you hear Doug talk about Ryan and cancer? He said, cancer has opened so many doors for him to speak to people. Man, that's, that's mature level Christianity when that's how you look at cancer. Instead of asking, why is this happening to me? Lord, what can you do through this? Whose life can I touch because of this? Man, I want to I speak to your heart right now. Pain is a passport 
Pain is a passport. It opens doors and takes you places with people that normally you can't go. Normally you wouldn't be able to go. Man, the, the pain that I've experienced in life gives me something to talk about. Gives me something to, for other people to relate to me. It opens doors with other people that normally I wouldn't be able to. Let me, let me end with this example and I think it'll be clear or a little bit more clear. Do you know Nick? Anybody know Nick? I'm not even going to try and pronounce his last name. All right, a few of you know Nick, right? Nick entered this world without arms or legs. He's got a little stub for a leg. Born with no arms and no legs. His story is on uh, lifewithoutlimbs.org. I encourage you to go check it out. A lot of videos there, a lot of cool things. Both his mom and dad, his dad was an Australian pastor, felt devastated by how their son was born. They said, if God is a God of love, then why would he let something happen like this? And why would he let something happen, especially to committed Christians? But they didn't end there. They chose to trust God, despite their questions, they put on the lens of faith and started looking at this thing a little bit differently. Let me tell you about Nick. Nick struggled in school. Would you not struggle in school? Kids bullied him. Kids rejected him. He said, at that stage in my childhood, I could understand God's love to a point, but I still got hung up on the fact that if God really loved me, why did he make me like this? I wondered if I had done something wrong and began to feel certain that this must be true. Thoughts of suicide plagued Nick until one day the 15-year-old read the story of John 9. Did you hear that? One day, the 15-year-old read the story of John 9. One day, the 15-year-old got into the Word and put some new lenses on to see things differently. And he read about the man that was born blind. And he read this, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. He surrendered his life to Christ after that. Now he speaks to people all over the world. Listen to this. Listen to what he says. Due to the emotional struggles I had experienced with bullying, self-esteem, and loneliness, God began to instill a passion of sharing my story and experiences to help others cope with whatever challenge they might have in their lives. Turning my struggles into something that would glorify God and bless others. I realized my purpose. The Lord was going to use me to encourage and inspire others to live to their fullest potential and not let anything get in the way of accomplishing their hopes and dreams. God's purpose became clear to me, and now I am fully convinced and understand that His glory is revealed 
as he uses me just the way I am. And even more wonderful, he can use me in ways that he can't use anyone else. He can use me in the ways others can't be used. I don't know what your story is, some of you. I don't know where you've been. But God can use it to reach people. My friends, you are important. You are, you are a part of the church. You are a part of the body of Christ. You have things that God can use to set people free. The pain that you have in your life, he can use. He can give you an opportunity to talk to somebody if you will surrender him to it, if you will let him use it. My friends, that's mature level 10 Christianity. I don't know how I'd handle that. I'd like to think that I'd be like Nick. I don't know. Man, but I hope whatever's going on in my life that I have the right eyes to see, the right lenses to see. I hope that I always let God use my pain. I hope that I'm not stuck with the why. I know the why comes natural. But I hope I get stuck on how can God use this? Who can I speak to because of this? God, use this. God, bless this. God, turn this around. That's what I pray for me. That's what I pray for each of you. That God use you. That God calls you. My friends, get in his word. Get in his word every day. If you don't have a Bible, we give them away in the back. There should be a, a children's Bible, a teen Bible, an adult Bible. They're, they're life application study Bibles. They're good Bibles. Grab one on the way out if you need it. Get in his word. My friends, you are training for the next trial. You are training for the next trial. Build that foundation wide. Build it deep. We need the right eyes. Pray for him to dilate the eyes of your heart, to widen your heart. Pray that he helps us to see as a, as a lion sees, right? Like the lion of the tribe of Judah. Amen? Amen? Amen. Stand with me. There is a purpose for your life. And if you ignore that, you will be miserable through this life. When you find that purpose for your life, when you find that reason that he created you, that he created you just the way you are, you will celebrate that. You will use that. You will find peace. You will find hope. You will find your purpose, and it will be more satisfying than anything, than anything money can bring, than anything fame can bring, than anything another person can bring. That's where it's at. What's your purpose? What are your gifts? What are your talents? How can God use you? We as a church, we want to empower every person in here to use their gifts and talents and to go make a difference in that word. Our job is not to get people in here. Our job is to get out there and share the love of Jesus Christ with them. We got to get busy. We got to get on that. Use it all. Use it all. Use the good stuff. Use the pain. Let him work through you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today. 
Lord, I thank you for the honor of being called to your church. Father, help us to live a life of reverence to you. Help us to live a life in response to the grace that's been shown to us. Lord, help us to go out of here and realize that you have appointments with us every day with the people out there that don't know you. Help us to share the good news that you died for them, that you love them, that you are calling them to follow you and help us to walk step in step with them on that path. Father, use us. Lord, I'm not making light of the pain that I know people are dealing with in here today. And I hope it doesn't, didn't come that way, come across that way. But Father, I know that you can use it. You can use it for your glory. You can bring them through it. You're right them, there with them. Father, you know what that pain's like because you lived on this earth. You experienced rejection. You experienced excruciating pain. You know what it's like. And you can help us. You can give us advice. You can show us the way through this. Father, help us to be a church that carries each other's burdens during these times as well. Lord, we love you, and we give you all praise. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. You are dismissed.